Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Well, as the welcome team is collecting the offering, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. I'm going to start a new uh, little mini-series, I believe, Lord willing, it'll just be today and next Sunday. And we're going to talk about the presence of God. We're going to talk about God's presence and, and many times, as even as Christians, we... Um, we lose sight of God's presence, and that causes a lot of issues. It causes ripple effects in our lives and in our spiritual lives because we're, we, we don't understand God's presence. We don't recognize God's presence. Um, we find ourselves in situations that we shouldn't be in, or we find ourselves or we believe that we're in situations that actually we're not in. And we begin to be run by our feelings and we begin to go back and forth and up and down and we don't have the stability that we need because in part we're not recognizing the presence of God in our lives. And so in Matthew chapter 27, um, Jesus here has, he has already come to the earth, he's already lived uh, his sinless life, he has been captured, he's been mocked, he's been beaten, um, he has uh, carried his cross, and he's been nailed to that cross. Um, he is is up on the cross next to uh, the the two other people, and and he's he's up there. And we're going to pick up in in verse forty five. And Jesus is is at the end here of his um, earthly natural life, and it says, "Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour." And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here in this moment, um, Jesus becomes sin for us. He takes on your sin. He takes on my sin. He takes on all the sin that you've ever committed and all the sin that you ever will commit and he he takes that on and the bible tells us that he becomes sin so in this moment when he's on this cross with the nails between his hands and between and on between his feet and and, and he's up there and he's he he's been scourged and 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 beaten and mocked and spit on he, he's up on that cross and he's taking on our sin he's becoming sin for us so that we never have to experience what he's about to experience, what he's crying out to in this moment. And what he's crying out in this moment is this separation from God. In this moment, he's experiencing separation from God. He's saying, God, why have you forsaken me? That forsaken just means turn his back. It just, it means leave. It, 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 it's God saying that you are taking on this sin. You have become sin. And because I cannot be connected with sin, I cannot even look upon sin, God has to turn his back on Jesus. Now, many of you all know what, what Jesus has done and what he's endured leading up to this. But I mean, just being whipped with cat and nine tails and having your flesh ripped out and then having to put a wooden cross on your back on those 
on those, on those wounds and on those tears, the, 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 the mocking and the being spit on and all of these difficulties that Jesus is facing. And here on his last moments, he's, he's crying out and he's saying, God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Jesus is experiencing for the first time what man has experienced, especially up until this point, man's entire life. Jesus was first for the very first time in this moment experiencing something that everybody else had experienced for their entire lives because this goes all the way back to Genesis. If you remember in Genesis chapter three, after Adam and Eve's sin, um, the Lord is, is walking in the garden and he's looking for Adam. He says, Adam, where are you? And Adam says, oh, I, I was afraid, so I hid. I hid from your presence because I was afraid, because I was naked, because I was exposed. And, and up until that point, Adam had experienced God's presence. But now, because of sin, Adam is running and hiding from God's presence. And I wonder many times when we are in a position where we don't sense and we don't recognize God's presence, it's, it's not because of him, but because we're running and hiding from God's presence. I wonder if there's times where, where we don't experience God's presence because we are removing ourselves. It's not as Jesus here with God turning his back on us, but it's because we are turning our back on God. And specifically, Adam was hiding from God because he had sinned and he was exposed and he recognized that in the presence of God, I will be exposed. And I wonder how often as Christians we recognize that if we get in the presence of God, our sin will be exposed and so we run and hide. We hide from the presence and we talk about like, I just don't feel God. I just, I just don't feel his presence. I don't, I'm not connected with God maybe like you are. Like everybody was lifting their hands and singing but I just didn't, I didn't feel it. And I wonder if at times that's because we are afraid to be in his presence. We recognize our own sin and the exposure that'll come in his presence. And so it's not God turning his back on us, but it's us turning our backs on God. But if you remember in Genesis chapter three, it wasn't that they went and hid and then at some point they came back to God. It was God coming to them. God coming after them and pursuing Adam. And God does that with us even when we try to hide from his presence. Even when we're afraid of our sin being exposed in his presence, he continues to come after us and pursue us and say, Evan, where are you? Not because he doesn't know, but because he wants me to locate myself and realize that no, there is no Nowhere that I can go, I don't want to get ahead of myself. There's nowhere that I can go to escape his presence. And whatever I'm afraid of being exposed in his presence, I got news for you. He already knows it. He already knows it. You're not going to be able to keep it from him. You're not going to be able to hide it from him. You're not going to be able to pull any tricks on him. None of that is going to happen. But here, Jesus is experiencing what man had been experiencing all the way back from Adam and Eve. And Jesus is feeling abandoned by God. I mean, let's, let's put ourselves in that situation. You're, he's physically suffering. Surely he's emotionally suffering. His, his friends have left him. And his enemies are surrounding him. And here, in this moment, this isn't just Jesus 
speaking out out of emotion or, or Jesus being um, emotional and speaking these words. These words actually come from Psalms 22. Um, I'm gonna read to you stanza one and two. David wrote, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I love that because when you actually think about this, in this deepest, darkest, most difficult moment in Jesus' life, he's still quoting scripture. He is, he is still going back to the word. And, and in this moment where, where he is torn up in so many ways, he is still going back and relying on and speaking the word. David wrote this in Psalms 22, one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. In Psalms 77, stanza seven through nine, it says, will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Let's be honest, we've all been here. We've all been in that place where if we're honest, we can resonate and relate to these words. Like, God, where are you? Where, where are you? Not only is all this stuff going on around me, but God, where are you? Like, I don't feel you. I don't sense you. It's like you've turned your back on me. It's like you've left me. God, where are you? Where are the days when I used to sense your presence and I knew you were with me and, and it encouraged me and it built me up and I could feel you? God, where are you? God, where are those days when everything was going right and you were blessing me and I had more than enough money and my body was good and my relationships were good? Like, God, where are you? Where are you? We've all been there. We've all felt that. We feel like God has forgotten us or hidden from us or maybe even left us. And in those seasons, if you can think back to being in those seasons, you don't know when they're going to end. They feel like they may last forever. You, you do not know the expiration date of these difficulties, of these struggles, of this feeling like you're not in God's presence and that he's forgotten you and left you. And like the problem with this is without an expiration date, these difficulties and these struggles, they can become crippling. They can get you to the place where you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. They can get you to this place where you feel hopeless because maybe you've experienced this for days or weeks or months or years, but whatever your expectation is, it has exceeded that, and now you're at a place where you're saying, God, God, where are you? Why have you turned your back on me? Why have you left me? And in these times, in these seasons of feeling separated from the presence of God, many times what we do is we just accept that as normal or maybe our new normal, and, and we just push past it, and we begin to feel like we can't be in the presence of God. We, we begin to, to feel like um, we're just going to function as we are without the presence of God, and we may even give up on certain things like trying to hear God's voice or feel his love, and we just, we just keep moving on. 
And maybe that means you walk away from the faith, or maybe that just means that you walk away from parts of the faith. But what happens at some point is our natural fight or flight kicks in. And, and, if, and if naturally for you, or you choose, or you get to the place where you're going to fight for that, then you can either do it in a positive way or a negative way. The positive fighting for this is seeking God, is reminding yourself of what he says and not giving up on his word, no matter what you feel or no matter what you say. The negative of this is trying to earn his presence. I'm saying, well, if I come to church more, if I pray more, if I give more, if I do this, if I stop doing that, and and not in a healthy, godly way, but in a way where you feel like you have to earn his presence. Or we can just flight from his presence and walk away. Here, when you look at this, and this is Jesus hurting. This is Jesus. After all he had been through, this is the worst of the worst, God turning his back on him. You notice what Jesus doesn't say in this time of passion, in this time of going to the cross and all that he did. What he didn't say to his attackers are, why are you beating me? Why are you mocking me? He didn't say to his disciples, why are you denying me? But he did say to God, why are you turning your back on me? Because of all that he went through, that hurt the most. That was the most difficult of this process for him, is to have his father turn his back on him. When we keep reading in verse 47, it says, and some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. He wasn't calling Elijah. When he says, Eli, Eli, we actually get that there. That actually means my God, my God. But the people, they misunderstood what he was saying or maybe they didn't hear it clearly or um, there's all kind of thoughts on why they got this mixed up. But it is interesting. I wrote in my Bible, people often don't understand. People often get it mixed up. And that includes me and that includes you and sometimes that includes um, uh, us together. But people often mix it up and one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. When Jesus lays down his life because that's what he did and gave up his spirit because that's what he did. He chose all of this. He could have stopped it at any moment. When he did that, something amazing happened. Really many amazing things happened. One that we read right here in Matthew 27 is that this curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Now, this curtain was massive. Today I brought this curtain up. This curtain doesn't do that curtain justice, okay? The curtain in the temple was 60 feet high, and it was at least four inches thick. It was skillfully woven through different fabrics, through the best of the best that would have been able to create this. And not only was it massive, but it was heavy. It would not have been able to have been torn by even a group of the strongest men. It, 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 that, that would not even be possible. 
And so the curtain being in the temple, now, now we don't have time to go through all of the details of the temple, but here's what you need to know about the temple. Um, the temple was the place that people came to worship and to pray and, and, and these different things. And the temple had different levels and different access points. So depending on who you were, depend, de- determine how far into the temple that you got. So if you were a Gentile, you could only go to the outer courts. If you were a woman, you could only go to like, there's like a court that was like for women. But you could, there were different levels with different accesses. And so from the courts into what they called the sanctuary, there was a curtain. And everybody who wasn't allowed to go into the sanctuary couldn't go past that curtain. All they could go is into the courts. But once you got into the sanctuary, there were other levels. And eventually you would get to this second curtain which is the curtain that's referenced here, which was 60 feet high and four inches thick. And behind this curtain was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, in the Ark of the Covenant was the presence of God at this time. And so most people, actually nearly everybody, could only get to this curtain. They couldn't get to the other side of this curtain. If they were allowed to get into the place right before the curtain, then they could get in and they could see the curtain, but they couldn't get past it to the presence of God. The only person that could get past that curtain into the presence of God was the high priest. And the high priest could only do it once per year to go in to to sacrifice for the sins of the people. And you all know, many of you all know this story. Like if, if the high priest went in and he wasn't right, he would immediately be dead. They would actually tie a rope to him so that if he died, they could pull him back out. Because otherwise, you're just gonna have dead bodies lined up in the presence of God. Like that's just the, so, so, so the high priest, one man, once a year, could go past this curtain into the presence of God. But nobody else could. So if you lived during that time, you lived your life apart and separate from the presence of God. And maybe you could get to the place where you could see this curtain, but you could never get past this curtain. And the Bible tells us that the moment that Jesus gave up his spirit, gave up his natural life, at that moment... This 60 foot, four inch thick, massive curtain by an act of God that no man could take credit for. It splits from the top down to the bottom. And when it splits, the presence of God is opened up to everybody. The presence of God is able to come out from behind this curtain. The people of God are able to go into this, his presence. This curtain is no longer a barrier because God rips it in two. And see, this curtain for us is not the curtain of the temple because we, we don't live in that time and in that season. God is not confined to a, bo- a golden box that, that contains the ark, that contains the tablets of, of the Ten Commandments. He's not confined to that. But now this curtain represents our sin. It represents our own thought process, our own perspective, our fears, 
our inabilities or unwillingness to get into the presence of God for whatever the reason it is, and God has taken this, he has split this in two, he has opened it up so that we can walk into his presence and so that his presence can walk out and be with us. Man, this is, this is amazing. This is good news. This tearing of the curtain is the tearing of the barrier between us and God. And now the scriptures tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That God is on the inside of us. That actually we are always in his presence because he lives in us and we live in him. So we don't have to go to a temple once a year and have a man go in for us. But every day of every year, we can have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us in a way that we recognize and we sense and we acknowledge his presence being with us. And in us, he never leaves us. Hebrews 13, 5 says this, he never leaves us or forsakes us. So when God has to turn his back on Jesus, Jesus takes that and as difficult as it was and as he cries out to the Father because he did that, now we never have to experience that because Jesus experienced it in our place. We never have to experience this curtain being closed and shut again. We never have to experience a barrier between us and the presence of God again. Because Jesus has torn this curtain. In Psalms 139, stanza 7 through 10, it tells us that we can never escape his presence. It says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. We can never escape it, but that's good because we need it. We need it. In the book of Exodus, when God is delivering the Israelites out, Moses says, listen, 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 I know you're leading us out, and man, this is amazing, but if your spirit, if your presence is not going with us, then don't take us out. We are not going to go without your presence. And that needs to be our heart posture. That needs to be our prayer. That needs to be our thoughts and desires. Because every day, every moment of every day, every trial, every temptation, every victory, we got to remember we are in the presence of God. Whether you feel him or not, whether things are going good or not, your body, you, as long as you are in your body, you are in the presence of God. And you know what? As soon as you leave your body, the Bible says to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. So, so once you gave your life to Jesus, you will be in his presence forever. There is not a moment, there is not a day, there is not a situation, there is not a place that he is not with you and you are not with him. The Bible tells us in Proverbs to acknowledge him in all of our ways and he will direct our paths. The issue is not his presence being with us, the issue is our acknowledgement of his presence. Amen. The issue is, are we walking past this curtain into what the Bible calls the most holy place or the holiest of holies? Are we going into his presence? Are we, are we going through the opening and the tearing of that curtain that he has opened up for us? 
or are we turning our back on his presence and hiding from his presence and saying, God, I know, I know you're back there. I know you're in there, but I, I, I'm not, I'm going to act like you're not. I'm going to act like that curtain is not torn. I'm going to act like it's not in two. I'm going to act like it's still there and that barrier is still there because I don't know if I get in your presence what you'll expose or what you'll do or what you'll have me stop doing or start doing. And, and so, God, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm willing to go there. And even if you have that mindset, God's still with you. It doesn't change the fact that this curtain has been torn and his presence has been released and now it's not about a temple in Jerusalem, it's about the temple of your body. God is always with you. We need to acknowledge and be aware that his presence is always with us. And, and here's what I know. I, I was like, as we were starting, as I was starting this and I was praying, I was like, God, I, I believe that as Christians, man, the, the thing that if we could understand this one thing, it would drastically make our lives better. I mean, we would be empowered on a whole different level. And I was like, God, that thing, I know what it is. It's us being able to hear God's voice. Like if you can learn to hear God's voice, then you literally have the, the, the uh, ability to have every answer that you could ever need because he knows all things. You literally have the ability to hear every encouragement that you could ever need, every speck of wisdom that you could ever need. If you could just learn to hear his voice. And I was like, God, I want to teach the people again how to hear, his, hear your voice. And he said, no, no, no. Teach them about my presence. Because if you will acknowledge and be aware of his presence more often, then learning to hear his voice It comes. It comes in his presence. There's fullness of joy in his presence. There's everything that you could ever need is in his presence. And it's not about working and finding his presence. It's about acknowledging and being aware that his presence is already in you. Being in, in his presence will empower you. It will, it will allow you to be more um, able to clearly hear his voice and experience his love. I want to challenge you this week to be more aware of God's presence in your life. And maybe you need to set some calendar um, invite, appoint, appointment reminders to just in the middle of the day, God's with me. The, the, the curtain has been torn. I have access to him and he has access to me. Maybe, maybe you need to write yourself a note, write yourself a scripture, write yourself something and put it in your pocket so that every time you go in your pocket this week, you'll be reminded that God is with me. As the students go back to school, they need to know that God is with them. Whatever it is for you, but be intentional to not live this week without being more aware and acknowledge more often and in a deeper way that God is with you. Because if you do, man, those worries, those difficulties, those struggles, they get smaller and smaller and smaller. Until eventually you're like, man, God, I just want to be in your presence. I don't care about what's going on. I just, I just want to experience your presence. And you acknowledge that and you become aware of that and you start to see that his presence is, lives on the inside of you and you can experience that anywhere, anytime. 
that you don't have to come to 1000 McNeil Road. You don't have to go to a temple. That the curtain has been torn in two and his presence is available to you and in you and with you and for you. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.